everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Icecast Report. Tim is joining me again tonight as we break down YSU's 49-16 win at Stanbaugh Stadium last Saturday afternoon over Dayton. Tim and I will talk about the game, what we liked, what we didn't like. Not much to dislike him after the Penguins put a 49 spot on Dayton and it looked really good offensively. And uh, we'll preview this week's matchup with, I believe, I have to go back to record books, but I believe it's our first ever game against a SEC team in ninth-ranked Kentucky and a lot of Youngstown connections in that one. Uh, so we'll break down that in a little bit, but let me bring in Tim and uh, see what his thoughts are on YSU's second non-conference win of the year. I was happy with that win. Uh, they played well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, You expected them to win. Mm-hmm. And it was a game they had to win. Exactly. And like I mentioned going into week one, not that they these games don't count, because obviously they all do. Mm-hmm. But the important games begin n- not this week, but the following week the when you get week. into mm-hmm. conference play. Conference play makes or breaks your season. Uh, however, you want to get off to a great start. And they did that, and Crenshaw uh, was mm-hmm. able to show some of his skill set that we did not see a lot last year or in the first game this season. So on that level, it was very encouraging. Uh, six touchdown passes is uh, something to get excited about. Um yeah. When you look at the running game, the running game was exactly what it has been the last two years. So that's exciting. Yep. Uh, setting things up and getting into open spaces. So uh, I was really excited and very pleased with the the output that they had uh, last Saturday. And, you know, they did exactly what everyone wanted them to do and expected them to do, not just win the ball game. But win it handily, and congratulations to the coaching staff and to the players and uh, the university because they did exactly what was necessary to be two and zero to have a positive week going into Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Which again, I don't expect to be Marshall. And Marshall's a Division One mm-hmm. school, you know that upset mm-hmm. Notre Dame last week. Mm-hmm. I don't expect to be Appalachian State when they mm-hmm. defeated Michigan. I don't expect those. Mm-hmm. Now, if it happens, we'll celebrate. You know, we'll celebrate oh, yeah. just like we celebrate when YSU beat Pitt uh, five years mm-hmm. ago or six years mm-hmm. ago, however long ago it was. But the bottom line is, you have to do. You have to play the schedule, and this is a tough yep. game coming up, but. Uh, against the Flyers, they did everything they were supposed to do. And at this stage of the season, where you can say basically 20% of the season is down, you mm-hmm. have done exactly what you were supposed to do, be 2-0. and Yeah, that's a good point, Tim. And, you know, we're not going to apologize for winning. Just like if Kentucky beats us Saturday afternoon, they're not going to apologize for winning. Like you mentioned, in every sport, you play your schedule. If it's baseball, football, basketball, hockey, you play your schedule – and you're not going to apologize for winning the game. Um, because as our friend down in Louisiana likes to say, Brian Kelly, winning is hard. And it is hard. And, you know, let's give the Penguins credit, Tim. I, I thought, now granted, it's been kind of a weird couple of years here with COVID and all of that, and the 
truncated season and all that. But I really thought Saturday the win over Dayton was the best performance under head coach Doug Phillips. Look, I know Dayton is a Pioneer League team that does not give scholarships. I know that YSU was favored significantly to beat them, and they did handle them. However, let's take a deeper dive into this game. As Tim and I have talked about so often in our you know, keys to the game, I, I always say stop the run. And maybe that's the Jim Trestle born in me and, you know, Tim. And we talked about, we talked about how Dayton ran for near 300 yards on Robert Morris. And they came to this game and kind of changed up their game plan a little bit. The first three plays of the game, they went pass, pass, pass. And I'm like, hmm, that's not a bad decision. And they got some yards, not much. But uh, why is you? 35 rushing attempts for Dayton, 55 yards, only 1.6 yards per carry. Uh, you stop a team to 1.6 yards per carry, and you're going to win 9 out of 10 times, if not 10 out of 10 times. Well, that's exactly uh, it. You, you hit it. You you prevent the other team from getting into mm-hmm. the end zone or having opportunities in the red zone. You're going to win a yep. lot of ball games, or you're going to be in position to win a lot of ball games. Let me rephrase that. Yes. And YSU, last Saturday, put themselves in a position early to – Dictate the pace of the game yep. and dictate uh, who was chasing whom. And that was the key. Once they got the lead, they established, especially in the third quarter, they established themselves to be the better team and they wore them down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they did exactly what was necessary. I don't, like you said, I don't take anything away from Dayton. Look, no. Every school has to make. Play games that make them money. Dayton coming to Youngstown State makes them money. Maybe not a lot of money, but it makes them money. They're going to make them money. Right. And it's not that they won't come in and compete, because they will come in and try hard. We've seen every team that comes into Stanball Stadium in the first couple weeks of the season compete. And unfortunately, we've seen a couple times where they over had too much success against the Penguins uh, early in the season. So Mm -hmm. uh, you have to accept, like I said, a schedule is made for its reasons. And one of the reasons that you're playing Dayton week two is because you have Kentucky week three. And worst case scenario, no matter who you're playing, if you're playing up, like a Youngstown State is, or if you're, mm-hmm. let's say, a Mac school and you're playing an SEC school this week, uh, that week before, you definitely don't want to put players in position to be injured mm-hmm. going no, into that where you're now playing your second and third string and they may get mm-hmm. injured in a big game like that. So that's the key is they got out of that game healthy. They had a big lead. They didn't have to play everybody the entire game. And now they can focus this week on their first road game, a game that's going to be a huge challenge for them. And they may be on the opposite end of a 49-15 to 15 game or 14 game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very well possible. But, again, when you play a team that is more talented and has better numbers and uh, bigger size and speed than you, you want to get out there and compete as hard as you can and see what happens. But you want to compete each and every play. Uh, and we're going to see what happens, you know, going on. But, again, 
Dayton came in and competed hard. They just were outmatched this week. And that's yeah. why the score was what it was. That's why Crenshaw was able to take advantage of mm-hmm. some of their uh, mistakes. And that's that's those are all important parts of watching a team um, get better. And as for saying that it was the best game for Phillips, I can't disagree. I mean, he hasn't necessarily had too many uh, a, a high a big mm. sample to say this was his best game. So yeah, exactly. I, I'm more than happy to give exactly. that to him. I think it's it's fair. Well, the thing that I like, Tim, is you know, anytime you're playing a team that you should beat. You need to come out and, like you said, establish your presence up front early and often. Why should you do that with a 21-point first quarter? They jumped out to a big lead, never looked back. Uh, you know, let's go through a couple of the games that I had. I, you and I both agree, you got to stop Dayton's run game. You have to stop the run game. Uh, we talked about Jake Kisman, the leading rusher. 12 carries, 37 yards. Uh, Dante Casacola who ran for 90-plus 90, 90 yards, Robert Morris, 13 attempts, 29 yards gained. He was sacked five times. YSU did not record a sack against Duquesne. Penguins came out with five against Dayton, did not get sacked. Um, I said I won in every game. I want Jaleel McLaughlin to have 200 all-purpose yards. Now, Jaleel struggled this game. Tim, he only had 135 on the ground, 52 through the air, so only he got Twenty-seven, but the thing that I like, multiple players ran the ball. McLaughlin had thirteen carries. I guarantee Dry Rushton, ten carries, seventy-three yards. Crenshaw, eight carries, thirty-six yards. You and I can both agree, we don't want Crenshaw running fifteen, twenty times a game unless he absolutely has to. Last year, I felt too much of our offense was McLaughlin, Crenshaw. And let's make it third and, you know, two or three so we can complete a little out route or curl route or something like that to make the passing tree not ready to reverse. Yeah. So my final key to the game was let's see a big improvement from Demiatric Crenshaw's 14 or 29 performance against uh, uh, Duquesne uh, going to this week against Dayton. And he really stepped up. You know, 11 17, 230 yards, 64% completion percentage. Again, no sacks. He had no interceptions. He had one fumble, but, you know, when you're playing fast down here, you're going to have to numbers. Um, so I, I can live with that. Um, and like you touched on, Tim, he had five touchdown passes. Mitch Davidson came in through one pass, 18-yard touchdown. Penguins set a school record for most touchdown passes in the game Saturday, so congratulations to them on that feat. That's pretty impressive given – the long line of quarterbacks that this program has had, you know, a lineage of them. Um, well, no offense other than when, you know, when Hess was here was designed around the pass as yeah. much as we've mm-hmm. seen the game plan last week. So yes. that is encouraging. I mean, they're opening up the offense. Hopefully, with the offense now open up, one of the keys that mm-hmm. we'll see here is – a bigger role for Drew Rustin. Uh, there's no yeah. reason not to get him out into the flats and try to get the ball to him quickly in a one-on-one situations. He's one of your fastest guys on this team. And uh, with McLaughlin and him both on the field at the same time, 
I think it could be a challenge for anybody. Could be a mm-hmm. challenge for anybody to cover. So I think this week coming up, getting Drew Rushton and McLaughlin on the field at the same time. I don't care if one's in the backfield and one's One's uh, split Mm -hmm. out. If they're both out, split wide, and you put another running back back there, I don't care how you do it. You should be very creative this week because you want to get your athletes in best scenarios to be successful. And hopefully the offensive coordinator and the coaching staff already recognizes that, and I, I assume they do, be quite honest with you. I have no reason to think they wouldn't. And take advantage of the athletes that they have and try to create as many mismatches or to create as many uh, open areas for both those two to have the ball, to have one-on-one situations. Well, and real quick, to finish up on Dayton, Tim, I, I was really impressed with the Master Crenshaw. And coming off a subpar performance, I think he tell you, he did not play very well against Duquesne. No, he did not. Only 14 or 29. Uh, but he came out, and there's two throws, there's three throws in particular that really impressed me. Um, first throw that really stood out to me was we're at the, uh, we're on the plus side of the field, about the 30-yard line of Dayton, and he dropped back about a three to five step drop, and he fired a post to the back corner of the end zone to Bryce Oliver. And all, and he threw it where only his guy could catch. He's going to be caught for a touchdown. He's going to be incomplete. And Oliver made equally as good of a catch. But the throw that he made to put it right on the money, right where only his guy could catch him, that's a throw he's not making last year. He stepped in, he stood in the pocket, and he set his feet. And I said against Duquesne, after looking at the game film, all of his mistakes are correctable. They're just setting your feet. And he did that against State. He stepped in those throws of power. Uh, another another play that I really like is he scrambled right. He rolled out right. Play was not there. So he scrambled back. And Max Toms, that Kawhi has said is going to be a really nice slot receiver for us, kept running his route. He didn't quit on the route. And he he found the open part of the zone. He caught and took off for 33 yards and a touchdown. And that uh, two throws that I was really impressed with because they're both throws that this team is going to have to make if they want to be successful. And that's and we've talked about it. Been covering high school games, watching college games. You cannot win in 2022 if you do not have a quarterback that can throw the ball in the pocket. If you don't have a quarterback that can throw the ball in the pocket, you won't have very much success. But on the flip side, we have to utilize the tremendous athletic ability that Crenshaw possesses, and and those are his legs and his overall athleticism. And for him to roll out and then avoid the sack and fire a strike to lead his guy for a touchdown, uh, that was really impressive to me. Um you know, why is you ran the ball 37 times, only threw it 18. Granted, much of those runs came in the second half. We're trying to salt the game away. Um, so I guess the only nitpicking, Tim, I could say is, you know, let's maybe be a little more balanced, 50, you know, 60-40, 
55-45. But hey, luckily, we we all know this is an offensive line driven program, and it's been that way since Dyke Beatty was here and Narduzzi and Trestle, and it's going to continue to be that way. So we're going to run the ball first, um, but. Overall, Tim, I was really impressed. And I want to touch on something. I don't know if you heard it after the game, but there was a series where uh, Dayton actually got one of their touchdowns. And the Penguins had three personal foul penalties. Um, one kind of questionable, it's a targeting call that uh, DeMarco Augustine is going to miss the first half of this week's game against Kentucky. Um I thought they were viewing catching fumble. Instead, they reviewed targeting and found it to be targeting. And But after the game, Coach Phillips said, he said, you know, I really don't get too wrapped up in penalty yardage because our guys are taught to play fast and downhill. He said, sometimes you're going to have those spots. He said, our guys played exactly how they were taught by the rules. He said, if we need to change what we're doing because the rules change, we will. He said, but I will not accept, you know, the pre-snap penalties or the after-whistle fouls. And I've really never heard a coach say that, Tim, where he's not concerned. You know, not like he was... Well, what he he's saying is... Well, I understand exactly what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's saying the mental mistakes are the ones we can clean up, and those are the ones he can't mm-hmm. accept. And that's either yep. dead ball fouls or after the yep. play. And I totally get that. And he's, he's 100% mm-hmm. correct. That's coaching. And that can be cleaned yep. up. Uh, there's no question about that. Now, what he's basically saying is he will never penalize his own team for being aggressive. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, too. You can. What you don't want to be is a team that gets a reputation yeah. of late hits mm-hmm. or a team that gets a reputation of holding and uh, defensive penalties, uh, defensive uh, pass interference type penalties, then I don't care what anyone tells you. Reputation follows a team. If you get that, they're looking for that. And they're anticipating those calls. And then when it becomes a questionable call, it's because they anticipated the scenario was there. They anticipated that. And these humans who are officials are going to throw the flag because they're looking for that yes. because you are a team that commits those type of fouls. So uh, that's that's just the way it works. I don't care if you're in junior high, high school, college, and mm-hmm. the NFL. Uh, and, and it's not a knock on officiating when I say that. It's just the human nature of the job and being aware of what team you're covering as an official. Because if a team is known for holding uh, offensive line, mm-hmm. guess what? You're going to keep an eye on that if you are a team that is known for defensive holding or pass interference Mm -hmm. they're going to keep an eye on that because they're you're not going to get those close calls that's just the way it works that's the honest to god's truth so and aggressiveness is great but you have to also play within the system and know when and where to how to use that aggression so uh Again, I understand what he was saying completely, uh, mm-hmm. and I don't think he's wrong. That is basically what every coach tells the team, and he just happened to tell the media that. And I've heard that before yeah. from other coaches. So we'll see. We'll just—I mean, we're only two games into the season. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I don't. We won't know that until game five or six when we start seeing certain penalties on certain players add up. And as for the targeting, it's unfortunate. You hate seeing that happen. Uh, it is part of college football for the it's last the five mm-hmm. years. It's not going to go away. I don't like suspending the player the following game. I don't either. Uh, or making them lose, you know, the first half or second half, and then be available mm-hmm. first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, exactly. whatever it may be in the following game. That's the part of the rule I think is over, mm-hmm. uh, over zealous in a sense that mm-hmm. they, if you, want, you need to eject the player, fine, but th- you know what. No need to penalize the player going into a week that that penalty has no bearing on. And by giving a 15-yard penalty and injecting a player should be plenty of a penalty and a deterrent um, to try to uh, litigate targeting, which is just unfortunate part of the rules. It's a rule, in my opinion, brought in by... Lawyers, not by football or to protect players. So, mm-hmm. uh, again, we'll, you'll see it in every team will have a targeting this year and lose a player either for the entire next game or potentially a half or more. And it's just absolutely insanity. Um, we see it in every pro, every bowl game. It seems like every big bowl game, one team or both yep. teams will lose a player for that rule. It's and it's just, that's unfortunate. It's just, like I said, the rule is not the actual targeting call. I don't have a problem with assess the 15 yard penalty, put the guy on notice. If you, you know, to use a, a, European football term, give him a yellow card. Tell him that mm-hmm. he's not, if something comes back, he's ejected for the next time. If it, you believe is so severe that he needs to be ejected now, I don't then have a problem with it. Yeah. yeah. Then you eject him now. They give him, quote unquote, the red card and you kick him out. Yep. Okay. But that's just my, I, I say this every year about this rule. And again, I just have a, I have a problem, not necessarily with, trying to enforce a rule. I just don't like penalizing a player beyond the game that they're playing. So, Tim, I completely agree with him. You know, it's the unfortunate part of the game right now, but we're going to have to live with it. Those are rules. We can't change them right now. No, they're not going to change this year. It is what it is for 2022. um, Overall, the Penguins come out with a 49-16 win against Dayton. They moved to 2-0 in the year, and as we touched on to Begin this podcast. We set our sights on our first business trip of the year, as many coaches like to call it a road game. Uh, we're heading down to Lexington, Kentucky for the first time to play number nine ranked Kentucky and Mark Stoops and Mike Stoops and Vince Marrow. Um, a lot of young style connections in this one, Tim. Uh, Vince Marrow actually interviewed for the YSU vacancy uh, when playing left to go to LSU. Uh, Withdrew from consideration. Also, oh, oh, get a bigger pay raise at Kentucky, and uh, but the Wildcats team coming two and zero. They beat Miami, Ohio, thirty-seven thirteen to open their season. Last week they went on the road to Gainesville, where 
Up until 2018, Tim, Kentucky had lost 31 straight games to Florida. It was the longest such streak in the country of a team losing to another team in uh, consecutive years. But uh, but since then, uh, Kentucky's kind of even that a series out from 18 to 22, and they beat Florida 26-16 after trailing 16 to 7 late in the game. Uh, Kentucky's led by quarterback Will Levis. He's going to be a first-round draft pick. Yeah, he is. He's probably the best quarterback we have seen as a program, Tim, since uh, Terrell Pryor. He transferred from Penn State, uh, came down to uh, Kentucky, and he's having a hell of a career at Kentucky. Um, and he's their go-to offensively right now because they're struggling to run the ball to him. He only averaged 60 yards a game on the ground. Granted, uh, All-American running back Chris Rodriguez is going to be out until October 1st. Uh, but the Wildcats are struggling to get anything going on the ground. But through the air, uh, Will Levis is dangerous. And this is, yeah. is going to be a huge test for the Penguins' secondary, which, which, by the way, already has five interceptions on the year. They only had nine last year. Uh, but now this is a step up. You know, no offense to yeah. uh, Duquesne and Dayton and Mishler and uh, Gasicola. Tim, I think you'd agree with me that Will Lowes is, if not a first-round draft pick, he's probably going to be a top two-round draft pick. Yeah. Uh, I guess to use the, the, the phrases, I know his name's a little different, but um, if you remember Lost in Space, you need that. That robot on the sideline, danger, 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 Will. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. you know, um, and that's uh, exactly where we're at. Um, yeah. And players are going to make plays. We, I've said this mm-hmm. all the time, and he'll make plays against Youngstown State. The question is, to, like you just said, limit those plays. Uh, potentially keep them from being end zone plays. And uh, to try to keep the play in front of them. Uh, if they give up a 40-yard play, so be it, as long as it's not for a touchdown, uh, that type of thing. And that, to me, is what it's all about. Can you design a defense that handles that type of th- uh, play? And mm-hmm. uh, quite honest with you, as you brought up all the connections with Youngstown, not a big surprise. I mean, the Stoops family, everybody knows them. Everyone yep. knows what they've done. And... Um, you know, congratulations to uh, you know, Mike Stoops and everything he's done uh, with uh, with the um, with the Wildcats because he, he's earned it. He's earned it. You know, he made the commitment to go there. Yeah. They made the commitment to him. He's going to have a huge payday here soon. And um, yeah, there's a reason why they're number nine, and they probably are the 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 best team since uh, Youngstown State went to the shoe, uh, you know, mm-hmm. twenty years ago. So, uh, not a big surprise. Not a. I mean, I, I like to say it, it, it's shocking, but it's not. We know who runs that program, and then we know the quality that's there. And well, it took a long time. It didn't take a long time. It just someone had to make a commitment at that university to the football program. And they found the guy to make the commitment to, who in return, not a surprise, just like uh, his brother did in Oklahoma, you make the Mm -hmm. commitment back to that university and you then see some results. And that's where they're at. And That's when I am. He's, you know, hey, let's put it this way. 
He's going to become the winningest coach, or he just became the winningest coach in Kentucky nope. history. He, he beat Bear Bryant's record. How many coaches can ever say they beat Bear Bryant's school record? Not very many, Tim. <laughs> not very many. And the thing that's impressive about him is you talk about it. And when you go to a school like Kentucky or Duke or North Carolina or UCLA, a school that has this basketball-rich tradition, and football is viewed as an appetizer to the main course, and that's basketball season. He stayed committed. He had a process in mind. He's utilized the transfer portal nicely, but he's recruited really well. He's recruited really well down there. And, and like you said, the administration has committed to the program uh, they spent more money, and in turn, he's he's upped his commitment to them. Uh, Kentucky is just it's it's a really good program for him. They've won ten games for the past five years. I believe he's saying in his SEC media days. I was listening to earlier. They are on uh, the verge of competing in their division the SEC, in the SEC mm-hmm, yes. for a. A title. title. A comp- yeah. Yes, they are in yes, that position. Are. Now, it's a big leap to get there, but they have mm-hmm. that potential to do that this season and many seasons going forward. And it is just another notch in the SEC to have a program to rise to the top yep. of their competition to have this opportunity to take on the traditional power in in Alabama, and then you look at Georgia and other schools, uh, their tradition of the SEC. So it's going to be, it's never easy. Nothing's, winning is hard. We've heard that statement many times from many people. Oh, we have. And, yeah. and it really truly is. However, winning is exhilarating, meaning it's worth yeah. every moment that you put in. To put your program into this position. So uh, a big challenge for the Penguins coming up. Uh, it may, the scoreboard may look horrible at the end of the, uh, Saturday's game. Uh, and that to we, me is not as important as coming out healthy no. and finding positives and where you competed. Hopefully, and I say this truthfully because I really wonder if they're going to score this week. Uh, mm-hmm. Can they get multiple scores? And that, I mean, when you're playing against a team of this caliber, that's what you got to wonder. You know, a, a will you be able to get into the end zone? B mm-hmm. will you not? Where their speed and uh, athleticism allow you the opportunity to find ways to beat them. If it's a control clock, if it's a short field on a fumble recovery or an interception, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be, I don't care if you get the ball at the one-yard line on a fumble. You get into the end zone, that's all that matters. Um, yeah. And this is going to be not a yardstick for this program, but we're going to find out exactly how good of a coach Phillips can yes. be because he's up against the wall here. I'm going to be straight up. He's up against the wall, Anthony. And to say that 45 points may be put up against him this week or more, 
is not saying that uh, with light. It's it's. I expect at least forty five put up against the Penguins. Yeah, like you talked about, Tim. This is uh, this is just a really good Kentucky team that you mentioned has taken that next step now to to where they believe they can start competing for the ASEC. The Wildcats are led by Tavion Robinson and Dan Key out wide. Uh, two really good receivers for Kentucky, averaging 19 yards per reception. Uh, they're led on the ground by Cavassier Smoke, a pit transfer. Uh, let's talk about that until uh, Chris Rodriguez gets back in a couple weeks. Penguins have faced Cavassier Smoke years ago when he was at Pitt. Um, in this game playing Kentucky, Tim, you're going to see a program that is focused on defense, and that's what Mark Stoops did with Mike D. Mike is. Uh, defensive coordinator, right? And it, you, you're going to see a program that wants to beat you up front, win the battle on the offensive line and defensive line, and they have a playmaking quarterback. Something that YSU and Doug Phillips want to get their program to be on the FCS level. We're on the very infant stages of that. Uh, and Tim, I think your point of this game cannot be judged. On the scoreboard, because last time we played Michigan State, we got whipped, and we just got outclassed in every area there was. Um, I agree with you. This game cannot be judged on the scoreboard because, as you mentioned, Kentucky's probably going to hang six touchdowns on us. Fine, but this game, to me, Tim, as I'm watching Saturday, it's about playing to the standard that we we have talked about and the standard's been set by the teams before us. And can you go out and can you make Kentucky earn it? I don't want to see the guys running for you like last year against Michigan State and 60 and 70-yard touchdown passes and touchdown runs. Uh-uh. Make Kentucky earn it. Make them go 8 to 10 plays in 4 to 5 minutes because Kentucky does not want to control the ball very much. They want to get the ball and score quickly. That's They run a high-tempo offense. So make Will Levis at Kentucky drive the ball, stiffen up in the red zone and force field goals. Um, obviously, when you have an identified Demiatra Crenshaw and Joe McLaughlin as our two best offensive players, I think you agree with me there also. Sure. Uh, we need them to be special. And I'm looking, and I think we know what Julio McLaughlin can do. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, we need him to do this, we need him to do that. He's going to do what he does every week. He's a special player. I've said it repeat, I'll say it again. Eight is a special player. He's incredible. Well, you know but what? And I'll say can, this, no matter who we play, Anthony, mm-hmm. not to really interrupt you too much, but to, yeah. to drive your point home, is... Mm-hmm. Not only is he a special player, but mm-hmm. in a game like this, when we talk about that anytime he has the ball in his hands, he's a threat to go yep. the distance. This mm-hmm. is a game where it is absolutely imperative that he has a big run or two. And it's just to give that spark to the offense and belief yeah. and that smells some success. Now, guarantee you, Mike 
Stoops is going to be ready for that. And Mark Stoops, the head coach, yeah. is going to be absolutely yep. already. All, they, uh, they've scouted it for the last two weeks. They, they went yep. back last year and looked at the films. Trust me. They're going to be ready for him. So, in my opinion, is he needs to have that big run, and it's going to be up to the mm-hmm. offensive line and getting him in spaces for that to happen. If it gets in a foot race, he could probably beat anybody. So I'm not too concerned about that. Yeah. Uh, or I'm, he'll he'll run off a big one. However, in my opinion, they're going to take so much so much view of trying to shut him down. This yeah. is where I think Drew Rushton can become going. a big part of the the offensive plan. I hope he is. I hope it's just not me. Uh, being a homer here for Drew Rustin, but I honestly do believe uh, if you have the both of them on the field at the same time, that's going to be difficult for any school to to really try to shut them both down. And if if Crenshaw can deliver the ball in spaces to those guys, and uh, you know, a couple of special big plays can happen, and that's what I'm this hoping for. This is a huge. This is a huge game. Before we wrap it up real quick, this is a barometer now for Demetrius Crenshaw. You had a bad game against Duquesne, uh, and I said all your mistakes are correctable. They were. You came back and had a hell of a game against Dayton. 11 17, 235 touchdown passes. Now, like you mentioned, Tim, Mark Stoops and Mike Stoops, they're going to be geared towards. Sh- Shutting down our strength. And our strength of the running game is led by Julian McLaughlin. So, that means Demetric Crenshaw is going to have to make plays in the pocket. Because you can't scramble outside and get yards on Kentucky. They're too big. They're, too, they're bigger, faster, stronger. Right, that's where they're going to compete for the SEC this year. I'm not saying they're going to win it. And they might finish third behind Alabama and Georgia. But they're going to make... Crenshaw beat them through the air, and we'll see if he can do it, Tim. We'll see when the pressure's coming in his face. This is the best pass rush he will see all year, including North Dakota State. If he can set his feet, stand in the pocket strong, and make throws down the field to town receivers and Bryce Oliver, Max Tomzak, although Shaw Fordham. Um, so we'll see. This is a big benchmark for Demiatric Crenshaw and his growth as a starting quarterback. I want to see him really lead this team and be the leader um, that a quarterback is supposed to do. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and give, you know, we got to do this, we got to do this. Because like you said, Tim, it, this is going to get out on the scoreboard. And I'm not really focused on the scoreboard itself. Yeah, it would be great to win. If we win, Tim, you and I are going to be we'll running be down champagne. Avenue. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, we'll be popping the champagne, thinking uh, that bad boy. But, you know, I'm not going to sit here and give three keys a game like I usually do. Um, but my main key, let's embrace the moment. This is, a, this, was, this is a big opportunity for us to play on national TV, on the SEC Network, and let's stay healthy. Let's get out healthy because, as you mentioned, to kick off this episode, while you want to win the non-conference games and compete and get better, your season is ultimately defined by what you do starting October 1st in the Fargo Dome inside your conference. That's all there's to it. 
With no question about it. Real quick, my keys is simply mm-hmm. for them to come out healthy, to mm-hmm. compete as much as possible on each play, and three, find a way to get Drew Rushton involved in the offense to take pressure off of both Crenshaw and uh-huh. uh, McLaughlin. Jim, you want to give a score prediction? All right. It's going to be ugly. I'm going to yeah. go 52-7. to seven. Wildcats. Okay. Okay. Tim, that's going to hurt. That's, uh, look, anytime you get beat 57, no matter who you're playing, it sucks. Uh, maybe I'm drinking the red and white Kool-Aid, Tim, but I felt really good walking out of Stanbaugh Stadium Saturday. I mean, I felt really good. I haven't – and uh, a little pat my step. Uh, but you got to respect the job that Mark Cook has done down in Kentucky and uh, the player Will Levis is – so give me Kentucky 47, YSU 10. I think the Penguins put up a little better fight than they did last year against Michigan State. Uh, but ultimately, this team's going to win 10 games in Kentucky and play in maybe a New Year's Six Bowl game. So uh, give me 47-10 Wildcats and uh, the first loss for our Penguins as we get set to wrap up non-conference play. So like I said, YSU 2-0 playing number nine Kentucky Saturday afternoon, 12 o'clock on the SEC Network. Penguins will wrap up non-conference play this week, have a bye week next week, and then get ready to begin the most important part of the schedule against North Dakota State. So Tim and I will be back next week to wrap up Kentucky and preview the bison. Yes, it's bison, not bison. So for Tim, I'm Anthony. As always, no matter who we're playing, go Gwen's.